the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911. Got that deer in the headlights look from the salesperson at your local auto parts store? This, unfortunately, is common these days, but don't stress, there is an easy solution. Try shopping at Westside Auto Supply. Steve, Kevin, and Jackie have over 130 years of combined experience in the auto parts industry. They will only sell you the top quality parts for your hot rod or daily driver. Their prices are competitive with the box stores, so head to Westside Auto Supply at 56 Prado and Slow. Buy the best from the best. Westside Auto Supply. Whether you're driving one of these. One of these. One of these. Or someday, even one of these. Whatever you're driving, Motor Mouths has answers for all of your automotive questions. And now your host, Jason from Absolute Auto Tech. Good morning, everyone. How are we all doing on this gorgeous Saturday morning in February, right? Yeah, February. Yeah, we're Sorry, still my there. Brain we got is half, half here. The last one. For that kind of stuff. Car stuff, I'm here. So. <sighs> If you have the time, the place, the space, the parts, the inclination, and the information, give me a call at 5543-8830, and let's talk about cars. Let's talk about your car concerns, your car questions, your car stuff. Car stuff. I like it. The car guy talking about car stuff. And you know, that's because that's my thing. I fix car. I don't know how. I just do. It walks up and the car goes, I will fix, be fixed for you, Jason. <laughs> It'll roll up. It'll roll they up. They roll up. Okay. They roll I guess up. they don't walk very often. Yeah, do they? I know. They, they roll up and then they, yeah. <laughs> Uh, 805-543-8830. You can or text us or call us. The um, yeah, they do, they do sometimes get towed up. I don't like towing. I mean, yeah. not that the tow truck drivers aren't incredible in our area. They're great and pleasant and, and pers- you know, personable and, and <laughs> talented. I just prefer if the car never got to see a tow truck. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't always make that happen, but that's my goal in life is to make it to where the tow truck never, your car never sees a tow truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, I, there's always things I want to talk about today. I wanted to touch on fuel pumps and and um, how you don't want to run your car out of fuel. I know we've talked about this in the past, but it's been some time. And, and uh, running your car out of fuel is very detrimental to the fuel pump and can dramatically shorten its life. Mm. Dramatically shorten its life. Um, diesels used to be a big no-no. Absolutely do not because they were so hard to prime and, and, and get the air out of the system, and it could cost a lot. So diesel owners knew I never ran out of fuel. Nowadays, diesels are really easy to prime. They don't take nearly as long to to restart after the fuel filter change or fuel air air is added to the system. (laughs) But the problem is is that the fuel pumps are now in the fuel tank, which is good and bad. Um, People that have to replace them get really frustrated because it costs so much. Um, And they're complicated with a lot of components. Uh, But they are in there for two basic reasons. They're, if your fuel pump or your fuel supply is buried inside the fuel, then there's absolutely no chance of a vapor lock. 
um, because the fuel is under pressure all the way through the system, all the way to the fuel injectors. And now without with the returnless system, um, <clears throat> it's really great because you, there, there's no chance of vapor lock. And now I can control fuel pressure inside the tank so there's less evaporative emissions. So we're not heating the fuel up so much um, because we're controlling the fuel pump um, speed and and draw and amperage load to regulate fuel pressure. And in that, we are able to use less energy and make the fuel pump last longer. Um, not that this isn't another complicated thing that makes things harder to diagnose and harder to repair and more expensive. I'm not, there's two sides of it, of course. Um, the old mechanical pump sitting on the side of the engine block was great. Um, but it didn't deliver a lot of fuel and it only delivered fuel when the engine was running or cranking. Um, and it wasn't a big deal when we had carburetors, but when we moved up to fuel injection, you really need a more constant supply and a more constant pressure. Um, that beautiful little electric, I mean, uh, mechanical pump on the side of the of the uh, engine was great, but it pulsed the fuel really bad, which was cured by the fuel bowl inside the carburetor and the metering jets and everything. So it wasn't a big deal on a carbureted car, but on a fuel injected car, you really want to have a a more constant or regulated fuel pressure and it's and it's pressure over time it's instantaneous pressure not i had put a gauge and a static pressure that's a different thing um so having the pump in the tank there's a lot of major pro- positives the other thing is honestly it can be a cheap pump it can be a very inexpensive pump because it's cooled with the fuel and lubricated with the fuel so it can be less costly the negative side though is when there's no fuel to cool and lubricate it it burns itself up and ruins itself so excuse me making it sneaking into the fuel pump uh, the gas station on vapor is really really costing you a lot as a driver because it really damages the fuel pump a fuel pump that should go yeah, hundred to four hundred thousand miles can really die in fifty, and they're very expensive. So, having a eighth of a tank or more in your car all the time really can extend the life of the fuel pump, which actually saves you money in the long run. <clears throat> so, I got a question for you. Okay, uh, when you do like a, a service where you're cleaning out the jets for the for the um, fuel injectors, fuel injectors, uh-huh. or when you put in that. Uh, additive that goes into the fuel tank uh-huh. and stuff like that is that good for the fuel pump does it help do the, does the induction service help the fuel pump i mean it shouldn't harm it but mm. it really shouldn't help it it's really mm. not designed to if you have varnish or that kind of stuff in it then it can help with that but realistically it shouldn't be affecting the fuel pump on a normal working vehicle mm-hmm. Once again, how much does it sit? You know, there's a motorhome where it sits for months on end mm. and then driven, you know, a thousand miles. Um, those kinds of vehicles, it very well could help a lot. And adding Tecron or a Redline product or something, one of the the higher end fuel additives can make a big difference. On motorhomes, generators, um, stuff that sits a lot, you really do want to use a, um, a, uh, uh, 
sorry, um, an additive to deal with, I'm stalling because I can't come up with a name, uh, the ethanol. Uh, you really want an ethanol blocker in there. I have found from experience over the years and listening to others that putting premium fuel in those vehicles, um, you know, when you have a generator, filling it with premium can extend the life of the fuel and make it to where you have less issues. Your chainsaws, your weed eaters, all those small devices, I would recommend running premium fuel through all of them, especially those that that sit, your lawnmowers, um, your uh, gas, your your gas powered uh, blenders should run premium fuel through them. <laughs> wow, gas powered blender. Okay. Oh yeah, no, there's they're really cool for for off road. Okay. Fired up and have a little uh, cocktail. Um, right uh, smoothie. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, cocktail so, sounds better, but anyway. <laughs> so you're off road. <laughs> yeah. You're parked. Um, so the the those kinds of things and honestly you know if you could work it out in your head i mean when you're driving a motorhome there's a thousand things going through your head you're trying to control the traffic the when you're going to arrive making turns at street road you know roads whatnot but if you can work it out to where you pay you know let's say it costs you an extra 15 bucks 20 bucks but put premium in it before it sits for the season that can help make it to where you have less fuel issues, better fuel economy the next year, all these things to help out. If you have a generator in your travel trailer or in your motorhome, if you were to put premium in it, and then uh, let's say on your way home, you fill the last tank, you put premium in it, and so now the truck and everything's run premium through the engine, then start the generator, run it for 20 minutes or 30 minutes while you're unloading or packing or whatever, and run that premium through the generator, now, all those things will give you less headaches, less problems, less issues when you're out using your toy. Same thing with your hot rods, your your fun cars. If you run premium in them, even though it doesn't call for it, doesn't ask for it, it's not going to hurt. I have not heard of any car being harmed by running a 9192 Octane, even though it's designed for 87. Now, the other direction, I definitely have seen problems. Um Running 87 in a car that's designed for 91 can gum things up, can carbon things up, can make it run wor- worse faster. So it basically wears it out faster, if you would, or or dirties it up faster. Catalytic converters don't last as long. Combustion chambers get dirtier. Spark plugs don't hold up as well. Um, there's a bunch of things that are negative because the car has to adjust the ignition timing to make up for that fuel. And you go, well... Fuel's fuel, Jason. You're just full of so full of BS. I don't feel a difference. Well, have you ever been around a buddy that wasn't feeling well, but you didn't notice because they weren't really feeling bad, where they had to stay home? You go. Uh, I, I've been around you know people that end of the day, whatever. They go. Oh, I just feel so bad today. I'm like, I didn't even notice. You know. Um, be, same thing with a car. You can drive your car and not notice that it's not running right. It's like I tell people with the nitrogen thing. If you really can tell the difference in your car between 31 and 32 PSI in the tires, then you need to run nitrogen. And you really need to watch out what tires you wear. A ride, drive. Um, but you can also tell when your suspension's a little saggy. You can tell all these things. The oil's a little low. All these things. Um, for the rest of us... Um, you can't tell. Uh, I had a customer come in and her tires run at 20 PSI and she ruined a set of tires. Um, 
It's not her. Well, it's her fault ultimately because she's the driver, but she didn't know, didn't notice. And she ruined a set of tires because the little sticker on her dash said she had a few more days before a few, a few more uh, miles before it was due. Well, that's another problem with our extended life cars. If you have a car, especially some of the electric cars. Wow. I was thinking about all the nightmares electric cars bring. But if you have an electric car and you don't need to go have the oil change, so what do I need to do? Well, you can ruin a set of tires really easily, especially if it doesn't show you tire pressure on the dash. Um, if it just has a tire pressure warning. Um, and if your tire pressure warning is a differential tire pressure warning, and that was something we we're going to talk about today, um, that can also hurt you. Um, if you're not doing that maintenance. And so even though your electric car doesn't need an oil change, it still needs washer fluid. It still needs wipers. You still need to check the tire pressure. You still need to do other maintenance on it. It still has a braking system that needs to be serviced every few years, depending on what type of brake fluid they use in it every three to five years. It needs, well, two to five years, depending on what kind of car it is. Um, it needs to be serviced. Coolant needs to be replaced every five years. There's still, tires need to be rotated. Um, the brakes need to be exercised and honestly lubricated every five or so years, three to five years, depending on whether it's inside storage, depending on whether it's freeway. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, there's still a, uh, it's still a car. Just because you don't change the oil anymore doesn't mean the car doesn't need maintenance. And if you're not doing that maintenance, it can really cost you in the long run and make it to where your electric car investment is actually a detriment and costs you a lot of money compared to driving a regular gas-powered car. Um, I remember during COVID, so many people weren't driving their cars, so they weren't changing their oils, and they were ruining the, ruining the, uh, the tires on their car because they weren't checking tire pressure either. And it's something that slips our minds. You know, we are busy with so many things in our lives between these stupid little computers in our pocket, our cell phones, and all the other stuff that we need to know, understand, be part of. Um, it seems that California every month has a new government agency they're creating so they can create new laws and rules for us to follow. Uh, we are the most overregulated place in the world, I swear. Um, but... And all these things we got to look out for. And, and wow, the, 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 the roads, my word, I thought it was bad when we had to deal with cars, pedestrians, and bicyclists. Now we have to deal with all the, the, the um, and construction. Now we have to deal with all the bicycle lanes and lines and warnings. And, and, and here we are, we're California. Don't educate our public. Don't sit down and help us figure out how to coexist. Let's just block everybody away from each other. And it's making it miserable. And, and I guess, I guess San Luis is going to can't, since they can't, since they can't, uh, will us to quit driving cars. They're just going to make it to where we can't drive cars and block all the cars out of town. And I guess that's what their ultimate goal is. That's what it feels like as a, as a driver. And I, I guess that's what we'll do is we'll drive somewhere else. I hate driving downtown San Luis. I, I avoid it at all costs. I'm getting to the point where I don't want to be down there mm -hmm. at all. It's too complicated. It's too hazardous. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm worried constantly and I can't relax and drive my car because there's all of these obstructions everywhere and there's popping up left and right new ones constantly. It's like every time I go downtown, it's the first time I've ever seen a roundabout. Whoa, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and every day it's that. 
um, I, 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 I fear for those that rely upon downtown as their means of sustenance and income. It's great if you're if you're living down there and you're going to walk around a lot, but for having to drive down there, it's not. I look at it and go, wow, why don't we sit down and start really educating and doing more to educate our public um, about the hazards of walking, the hazards of riding bicycles incorrectly. I, I watch these people ride bicycles and they cut corners and they cut they 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 go from being a car to being a pedestrian to being just flat out illegal for everybody mm-hmm. and they wonder why they get hit i was driving near my house the other day and it was at night oh, i got a call coming through but i'll make this really quick i i, I was uh, it was at night and i had a bicyclist coming at me from the wrong direction yeah with no lights well, no, he did have he oh, did yeah, have no a headlight on but the fact of the matter is you're supposed to be on the same side of the street yeah. that the car right. is on the driveway. Well, I see him running stealth mode, all all dressed in black with no lights, no nothing. Pedestrians. I, okay, I leave the shop and I'm in a dark blue shirt, dark blue jacket, dark blue pants, um, and I've got brown hair. Well, I am not very visible at night. I know I, the cars cannot see me. I don't expect them to work drive yeah. around me. I expect to hide and and not be seen. So therefore, I don't walk in front of them. I wait for them right. to pass. I let them do their business, and then I go about my business. Well, this guy or woman, I I don't know. I I can tell you it was dark. Um, just about got wiped out. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, they were coming at me from the wrong direction. So. And so I looked both ways, but then I really looked back and I saw this bicyclist coming and I just narrowly missed. And that, and and yeah. you have to live with that. They have to. Well, yeah. they don't get to live with it a lot of times. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's it seems to me our, our funds would be better spent educating our young, our our people. Let's just say we got Hal and Pismo. I'm okay, good, with the, the monitor. Died. Okay, the let's monitor talk to Hal real quick. Good morning. Yeah, How are you on. doing this morning? Hi. Good morning. Uh, I'm interested in getting your feedback on uh, where I can get information about hybrids, uh, used ones. I got a Toyota that has 155,000 miles on it. I'm thinking of one more vehicle, and I called last week, and you had uh, mentioned, I didn't really give you all the information, I wanted a hybrid, but you had mentioned pilots, Honda pilots, something that's um, long-lasting, that I don't have to, you know, worry too much at that. I'm an older guy, so I just want to get something that might be my last car, but I don't know the background of these longevity of some of these newer vehicles. This vehicle I have is a 2008. It's a Toyota, but um, I, I'm just trying to get feedback on hybrids. I've not. Re- I'm been listening to you for for a long time, and I'm not wild about the new electrics. I, I want something. I'm listening to you, and just. It's getting too complex. I don't want a computer program class to drive my car, I, but I don't know which ones are now newer that you can have drive them and not have such a complex screen in front of you that you're going to wreck your car trying to figure out what the car is telling you. I, I understand. I agree with you. There's a lot of that out right now. So my first question, though, is why a hybrid? 
Uh, I'm not ready for electric, but I feel that um, it's just the gas, basically the price. Um, and I think that I'm comfortable. My last car being a hybrid, I've never had one. But I'm thinking it's a better choice than uh, just full gasoline because I, I think I could. The technology is there without not getting something that's so hard for me to figure out how to drive. So that that was my logic anyway. Okay, so this is why I talk to people about is okay. I try to have add in how many miles you plan on driving per year in the future. So today is X amount, but are you going to stop working? Are you going to live closer to, to church or wh- whatever, you know, whatever your future plans are? And you can't, you know, can't always see the future, but you can kind of educate yourself. And if you're going to be driving a lot less miles, then the hybrid is a negative thing for your future because the battery has a lifespan. So the engine on your car has a lifespan of, let's say, 300,000 miles. The battery has a lifespan of about 10 years. And some can go farther depending on what you're doing, but that's kind of the average lifespan. So if you drive 2,000 miles a year and your battery dies in 10 years, you've gone 20,000 miles on a battery which is a horrible thing for you and the environment. <clears throat> if you're going to drive 10,000 miles a year, well, now you've gone 200,000, I mean, 100,000 miles. Now it's more realistic. So hybrids are fine for those people that use them constantly. I just, I see this mistake all the time of someone that's retiring going to drive less and they're going to buy a hybrid. No, it's the other way around. When you retire and drive less, you drive a standard car because it will be better for all of us. Now, the fuel economy is a little worse, but when you're driving three to 5,000 miles a year, who cares what the fuel economy is? I see. I see your point. Well, I'm looking for a smaller SUV. If you can, um, through your track record, know something that's really pretty durable. I, I'm, I, to answer your question, Jason, um, I do plan on traveling. I am retired, um, and that's why I was leaning towards the also the hybrids. After you explained that to me, I, I do plan on putting miles. Uh, I'm not going to be local. I'm going to be traveling, seeing friends uh, that I haven't been able to. Nice. All over okay. the country. Well, that's awesome. Then, uh, honestly, uh, as far as hybrid techno- technology, as far as I've seen, there's two options. There's the Toyota or the Honda. Um, the Honda, as far as I'm concerned, is not a hybrid. It's an electric assist because you can't drive it on electric only. It's just a hybrid name to help sell it. Uh, the Toyota is a true hybrid um, in that that it can drive on electric or well I see it's not true it's not a true hybrid because you can't drive on gas the gas is a generator so we don't have a true hybrid but if I were going to buy one it would be the Toyota um, and Toyota makes several if you're going to buy a small SUV I'm Honda Toyota honestly um, I don't think Ford does an awesome job on small vehicles and I'm really not a gonna say any but any of the other names that i don't like um that's well, i appreciate I your honesty because i would like to try to get something american made but it does seem like the track record is in those two that's why i own one as first toyota that i did have i always had ford's pickups but now i need a suv i don't need a pickup and i appreciate your honesty tell me yeah the american companies aren't, aren't quite there yet, but for small I just vehicles. need you to expand. Just give me a little more clue of why you're saying there is no true uh, hybrids. I, I don't understand what that means. Okay, so what's a true to hybrid? Be a hybrid to be a true hybrid, you can draw. You have to have two means of propulsion. 
So, you know, if it's a bicycle, you can have a hybrid bicycle. You can pedal power or have electric motor power it. With the Toyota platform, it's an electric motor that drives the car. The battery, I guess if you want to call it, the battery can propel the car or the engine can propel the car. But it's not two different modes, really. It's not two different sources. The engine just collects, collects electricity so that the battery can power the it, the motors. So that's gotcha. what I mean. Um, I, I, I guess so. No, that's all of them are out there. There's no there's no true hybrid out there. We just call it a hybrid because I don't know because it's new Coke. I don't know because it's it's easy. Yeah. It's easy for us to understand. It's like the five thousand mile tire rotation thing. It's like that's not really the right way to do it, but it's easy and everybody can understand it. Gotcha. And do these vehicles, uh, Honda and Toyota, uh, go with uh, all-wheel drive or four-wheel? I've never needed that, but if I'm going to go up to see friends in the snow country, so I'm not sure of that thing of all-wheel drive versus something that they label four-wheel. What, what's the difference there? Um, all-wheel drive and four-wheel drive. So all-wheel drive means you can you, – there's no, there's no need for a selector, sh- a selector button or knob or handle. It can f- stay in four-wheel drive all the time, all traffic conditions, no matter where you're at. Four-wheel drive is you can do damage to the vehicle if, you're, if you put it in four-wheel drive and you're on a dry pavement and, try, and drive wrong. That's the right. biggest difference. Now, <clears throat> what – I'm trying to find out, and maintenance-wise, I'm getting back to the original question. I want something that, if the all-wheel will last as long as a four-wheel, and I have to be competent enough to, if I do get one that has four-wheel, to to make sure I manually put it correctly and on, you know, non when the street, you know, it doesn't have any play in it. I understand what you're saying. It'll tear up the four-wheel, but I don't know. Maintenance-wise, is one better than the other? All-wheel versus a four-wheel? Uh, a f- I'm talking about like 300 miles. I want I want to try to get 300k out of this vehicle. So four wheel drive vehicles are if depending on the vehicle. So there's a lot of options in four wheel drive. Um, they can be uh, more reliable because in order to make it all wheel drive, there has to be a slip or a viscous coupler or something to allow the four tires to move at different speeds, and those. Components where um, the the Ford Explorer, the early ones, uh, no, I'm sorry, the early ones that were interceptors, the the police used, they had a few problems with all the power they had. They would get them in a muddy situation, and I, I heard this from high patrol officers would see this. They would go through between, uh, let's say, between the freeway lanes, go from northbound to southbound, let's say, and they'd go through the mud, and then they would get on it. They would you know, go to accelerate to merge and catch up to the person they're trying to uh, um, pull over. Stop. And yeah. they, when the tires started slipping, when it hit asphalt, they would grip, and it would break that transfer case or the piece in between the front and rear. Right. Um, but that's the only time I've ever seen that be a real problem. The Ford Explorer, as far as I know, is one of the best cars out there, and I think if you bought that, but that's not a small SUV. That's more of a mid-size SUV, as far as I'm concerned. Um, the the that would be my only concern. That's nice having all-wheel drive because you don't think about it; you just drive, and it's what it is. Um, some and maintenance-wise, the four-wheel—I mean, the automatic 
four-wheel, but there's not something down the line like a 250,000 miles. I have to replace that system. It's not designed that way to be replaced, but you should service it every sure, sure. you know, 60 to 90,000 miles to replace the fluid in those uh, areas. And that's something you have to... Pr- um, you have to uh, talk to your service provider about because most don't, and they end up just going the life of the of the unit. Gotcha. Okay. Not, you know, right, right now we're really pushing no maintenance and lack of thereof in our automotive stuff, and it's a real tragedy because that means you're replacing a vehicle that doesn't need to be replaced because you didn't do maintenance. Um, right. Even though that's what the manufacturer recommended, but they're they're it's it's in my brain, and and it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of conspiracy theory kind of thing, but it works out really well when the federal government sits down and says, well, you know, we have all these coolants and oils that are you know damaging our environment. We need to cut back, and then the manufacturers go, okay, we can do that, no problem. We can extend the service life of them, but then the cars won't last as long. So now I sell more cars. So Where's the negative for the manufacturer? Right. And maybe it's just in my head, and that's how I twist it, but I don't like it. I I see your car that you have 155K on going another 150K easily. and Well, that's what I – I'm glad you brought that up, Jason. I I was hoping to keep running this uh, thing, but I just took it to a reputable – here in Pismo, a reputable Toyota dealer, and uh, he goes, oh, well, I'll let you know you're doing your maintenance, all this stuff that uh, I'm supposed to be doing, but you've got a uh, timing uh, cover leak. And he goes, that's pretty common. And that's what that's what prompted this call. I would want to get a car that doesn't have a common thing that's going to show up later. He goes, yeah, that's about five or $6,000 to, because we've got to pull the engine to do that with getting another car. It's a, it's a Toyota Rad on me, and I went, oh, there's five grand, six grand. I don't want to be spending it a 200K on another vehicle. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to search out vehicles that don't have this. I mean, I understand all engines wear, engines wear, but he made it sound like, well, didn't you do your research? Don't you know that that's a pretty common thing on these Toyotas? Oh, we got to watch the language. We got to watch the mouth. They they do. Oh, I'm sorry, but they all have the issues. Every manufacturer can. There's not one out there that doesn't. Uh, they all have their issues. I mean, even a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar electric car. Uh, they funny. There was a big thing on the web that said it was the the new model was the campfire model. Once you light it, it'll never go out. Um, it, it, they all have issues. It, every manufacturer is going to because every manufacturer is trying to build the most inexpensive car they can so they can make a profit, so they can sell a bunch of them and, and make the, pro- the customers happy. Um, but it's, it's the, I, five grand on that seems pricey, but maybe they're changing all the seals and everything throughout. I don't know what they're doing, but yes, Toyota's timing covers leak on them. Uh, to, for a while, the Prius has had water pump problems. Um, the struts would be bad on the Camrys. They all, but every manufacturer has this situation. They all have problems. And how big is your leak? Is it huge? Is it little? What? Where are we? No, at? no, no, no. It doesn't even drip on the ground. He just so, no. He's a reputable. It's a reputable business, but 
he just gave me a heads up. That's a common thing, and I'm trying to get educated. Well, where do you get that information about a common thing? If I'm buying a, another Toyota, I don't want to go with a Rav if it's a common thing that's going to come up again. It, but it, it's, it every, seems kind of pricey to me. I don't mind, you know, shocks and stuff, but you know, even but they're very thorough. I'm not knocking the no, company. That's, I'm that's just great. saying I didn't have that information, and it kind of was something that. I need to be educated here on this next purchase. Okay, where do I get that? Is there some place where a common person can get the list of probable things that are common in this vehicle that I'm considering buying? The best way would be go to, um, oh, there's a site. Oh, uh, my brain's broken. In NSTF, I think, National Safety Trans, National Transportation Safety or something like that. Uh, and, National Transportation Safety Council. There you go. And they. Thank you. And they may have that kind of the. They may have a lot of the complaints that consumers are concerned with, consumers that use their vehicles a lot. Um, you know, every 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 time the manufacturer changes a vehicle when they go to a new model line, they have they run the risk of having huge problems and not and, and and great success. And then normally, if they like what they're or they're what they're using has worked out well, they will keep modifying it until and make it better and better. As years progress, every two, three years, they will modify it. Um, the Duramax, for instance, GM came out with the Duramax in, I think, 2001. And the current 24, I think, still runs a similar, if not the same displacement, almost the same style engine. But over the years, they have kept modifying because the first one has horrible fuel injector problems and they were hard to change. And then they modified it, and then they modified it, and they just keep, they had camshaft problems. So then they modified it, and they just keep modifying it and make it better and more powerful. Um, the, uh, the flip side is, you know, certain manufacturers run an engine. Uh, let's see, Ford did with the 6.5 uh, International. They ran it for like two or four years and they went, we're done. Pshht. Because it was, it had major flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, every manufacturer is going to have problems. Every single one is going to have some issues. They can't possibly afford to go through all of the issues and do it in a timely fashion in that they have five to seven years between concept and production between the time they go, wow, hmm, what are we going to build in 2030 and, and, and by 2030 have that built and it's difficult and it's very costly and very expensive. Um, I would sit down and look at your car and and have your rep your shop do a full inspection, full pre buy inspection. I call it, even though you own it, by pre do a pre buy inspection. What is wrong with your car and is it worth fixing? And do they expect or predict it's going to go another one hundred fifty two hundred thousand miles? And if it is, you might want to save that. on that new used car and repair what you have and enjoy. Okay. Sure. No, I've had a great, it's been great and, and it's been very reliable. I'm not knocking it. It's just, now I'm starting to think, oh man, am I going to continually having to get these higher ticket maintenance things that I didn't, you know, I changed, you had the fluids and all that changed and, you know, the, other than just the engine. And, uh, I just, Thanks for giving me that information. I, I've had real good um, feeling about this, uh, Toyota. Uh, it just, I, my next step it was just what you're, you're telling me. They're still a good company, but uh, the, I just didn't know anything really about the hybrids, and you explained that to me. That so, 
as far as 20, 2022s or 2023s, are there any lemons or things of a Toyota or a Honda SUVs that you know of that I don't are see kind them of steer yet. away from them? I don't see them yet. I won't see them for three to five years. Um, we got to take a break, though. Um, but thanks for calling. I would say use that call, uh, look up that NSTF site and, and see if they show stuff on that. Like I said, I, don't have, I haven't heard anything. But we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Yeah, we got a classic commercial here going back to the 1970s. Remember Smokey and the Bandit, and this character is uh, this actor's playing uh, Buford T. Justice, hey, the, the Smokey. One of my and, favorite characters. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. So, um, but I think it's for the Dodge Challenger. You can think, think about it. But don't do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, know. I, I love uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and Jackie Gleason is he just awesome. perfect as Smokey. Violation city orders 11-14, operating a racing type vehicle inside the city limits. Oh, I see. This is the new Dodge Challenger RT. It's it's, it's not a racer. Hey, huh? What kind of tires them, boy? Optional polyglass GTs. Racing tires. Them stripes, that boy, what you call those? R- racing stripes. <laughs> I suppose that's a reconverted lawnmower motor. Optional 440 Magnum V8. Put that doohickey in there, boy. Well, that's a new optional slapstick racing shift. So look, it's got uh, concealed wipers, and it's got dual headlights. Now, you don't find that on any racer, do you? Careful, boy. I'll book you as a law officer. If you can handle the way people react to your 1970 Dodge Challenger, you could be Dodge material. Now look, boy, I know a race car when I see one. Have you ever got that deer-in-the-headlights look from the salesperson at your local auto parts store? This, unfortunately, is common these days, but don't stress. There is an easy solution. Try shopping at Westside Auto Supply. Steve, Kevin, and Jackie have over 130 years of combined experience in the auto parts industry. They will only sell you the top quality parts for your hot rod or daily driver. Their prices are competitive with the box stores, so head to Westside Auto Supply at 56 Prado in Slow. Buy the best from the best. Westside Auto Supply. Absolute Auto Tech in San Luis Obispo wants to extend thanks to all of their loyal customers over the years. Drive safe on the roads and take the time to maintain your automobiles. You can count on on Absolute Auto Tech for high quality repairs for your safety and safe driving needs. Absolute Auto Tech has been performing auto repair services since 1997 at the corner of Sacramento Drive and Capitolio Way in San Luis Obispo. Come by or call 547-1062. That's 547-1062. Darkness, my old friend I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its scenes while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain This music came in today, and I like I have to agree. You know, Simon and Garfunkel. Gotta watch how you say that one too. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, 
They did a great they job. They were great, but disturbed. Disturbed. I don't know. I oh think I, I think I like the cover better. Very, Brian brought this to me, my service writer, one day. He goes, yeah. "Oh, I was watching Conan. You got to watch, or I was whatever. You got to listen to this." First time I hit, heard it, I fell in love with it. Sitting and listening to my computer at the shop, I'm like, "Oh my god, this is incredible." Yeah. Uh, I, he, I was told that. I guess most artists, they'll go into studio and they'll just rock, they'll, they'll just they'll just pound out an album in an al- afternoon or, or a few days, you know, or type of thing. And he spent hours uh, um, trying to make this his own mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. instead of just going, yeah, whatever, we'll do somebody else's song, whatever. He's yeah. just like, I guess he spent hours trying to do it because he was like, it's disturbed. Are we really doing Sound of Silence? Come on, guys. Well, if we're He's doing it, let's great. do it. And he did phenomenal. He's got an incredible voice. Yeah. So if you haven't heard it, it's Conan O'Brien where he played Disturbed. Uh, uh, um, uh, Disturbed played Sound of Silence on Conan O'Brien, and it was hmm. incredible. And I'm, I, I don't know why I'm rambling off a stupid song. I think song. it's I awesome. Think. I think it's a great. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it this morning. Um, I, I like I said, it's on my playlist because it was he did such a great job. Hmm. Um, the so. Fuel pumps, like I said, back to that. We just really watch it. Make sure you keep fuel in your tank. It really can save you a thousand bucks. Fuel pumps anymore, a thousand bucks. I mean, by the time, I mean, yes, you can go cheaper and yes, you can do it yourself and put an inexpensive pump in, but uh, that means you're just going to do it again. Um, and and just, you're, you're going to have to put fuel in anyway. It's not like you're saving yourself anything other than not putting fuel in right now. And I don't know. If you can do it first thing in the morning, get up a little early, do it first thing in the morning, I hear that's the best time to do it because the fuel is cooler, so you get more fuel because fuel is based on volume and fuel expands as it gets warmer. So you can get more fuel if it's cooler, actual gallons put into your tank, if that makes sense to anyone other than me. Um, so we have Alan from Slow. Good morning, Alan. How are we doing yeah, this morning? Makes sense to me, too. But then if you really fill the tank and then you go right away into a warmer area, don't you then have gas that overflows and you lose some of that fuel? No, because, well, depending on which car you have, if you're driving a 50s vehicle, yes. But if you're driving a newer car, they have special air pockets in the tank. So the fuel tank on your car, let's say, is a 10-gallon tank. That's how many gallons you can put in it. But it actually is probably more like an 11- or 12-gallon tank for expansion and fuel vapor so that you don't... You can run fuel vapor into the engine through the evaporative emission system. And so they burn if it. it's 30 degrees out in the Tascadero, that's the time to go fuel up your car. Yes, sir. That's what I would do it. Now, most tanks are in ground, and, and there's not a huge difference. Sure. But if you think about the pump being cold and, and everything around being cold, and that you know if you don't follow the fuel truck in, that kind of stuff can make a big difference. Although... Honestly, if it's 30 degrees out and you're behind the fuel truck as he's filling the tank, that's even better because you have cold fuel being dumped into the tank and then now pumped into your car. So there you go. I, I mean, we're talking, you know, splitting hairs, but uh, nevertheless. Yeah. Well, I can't help it. It's occupational hazard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can see that thing for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the reason I called, that was a great, that glass call was, was terrific. The follow-up is because anything can happen, no matter whether they they warn you ahead of time or not, then it, it, there's two parts to the question. One is, what do you think of 
paying for extended warranties to help cover for those possible issues. And two, and I don't know if this is done by any, anyone, but like when I with my health insurance, they give me a rebate for a wellness exam, things like that. Do any of the insurance plans have rewards for regular maintenance, where you you show that you did something, you might get some money back or discount on your insurance? I don't know, honestly. I haven't dealt with them very much. I know that you really want to be careful on what insurance you buy um, because some of them don't cover anything, even though they say they do, Mm -hmm. and some of them don't. So I pick the plan that lists the things they don't cover instead of the plans that list the things they do cover. Ah. Because there's more things that you don't can't think of yes. that are now covered. As far as I'm concerned for extended warranty stuff um, and, and maintenance plans, um, they're making money. How is it that they're able to make money and co- it costs you less? The only time it works is if you have a car that's not very reputable or a car that has a lot of problems. So... Um, if you can think of a few lemons out there, the cars that are notorious for very costly repairs, um, and you consider that, that would be a car I would do a maintenance plan on or extend a warranty on. If you think about a car that's known to be reliable and known to be trustworthy and, and, and hold up for a lot of years, that would be a one I wouldn't do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, as little as you think about it, I think about it even less, since I'm never going to buy car insurance. So there you go. I, I would strongly <laughs> recommend not buying it. Yes. I'm laughing those who are listening who don't get it. I don't drive because I'm visually impaired, so that's why I would never buy car insurance. I figure I should qualify that for anybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> I was just enough. about to say something, Alan, but I, you know, I, I didn't want to be insensitive, and you took care of it. No, I oh, didn't want to be either. You so. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, guys. You, you thank want you for Alan calling dri- in. I appreciate Alan, you listening. you would not want you driving in. a car. You would not want Alan driving a car. No, probably not a good idea. <laughs> okay, Alan, a little left, a little left. No, no, a little right, a little, no, little left, look, slow down, no, speed up. No, no, no you don't know that. <laughs> don't want me driving a race car. I don't want Alan driving your car. That's no. okay, though. He is so talented on so many other things. You know, we all have... Uh, I, I'm envious of all the other talents, so, you know... <laughs> Although I don't know all the distractions that go on in cars to these days that maybe Alan could drive he a car. might be a better driver than me. Yeah, my goodness. Um, although you may not know whether that speed bump was uh, a speed bump or something else, but that's okay. Um, you know, the other day we were talking about cars and, and um, you know, the big push is, you know, replacing your car with an electric car, replacing your car with a newer car with better fuel economy and, and um, more environmentally friendly. And I started thinking about the average car, any car. I don't care. Pick the average car, 10 years old, uh, 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 20 years or newer. And now you pick one part in that car, the driver's seat, the steering wheel. Pick a part. I don't care. The ashtray. And first of all, every car you drive, no matter what car it is, the manufacturer of that car at the plant where they make that car, make the sheet metal, most of them. Um, well, other than maybe, no, I think all of them. The only thing is made at that plant is the sheet metal is bent into the shape of your car, painted and spot welded together. Otherwise, everything else on your car is brought to that plant via train, truck, 
car, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and it's on time. So it's not like they sit down and they go, okay, we're going to need 10,000 uh, left-hand mirrors this month. Yeah. We're going to need 10,000 right-hand mirrors. We're going to put them in a shipping container and ship them from one location to our building and try to make it as efficient as possible. No, because now I'm storing yeah, 10,000 mirrors until we use them up till the end of the month. Well, you know, can you imagine... I mean, all the floor space it takes uh-huh. to put together a car. And then and all the factory. floor space to store everything for store a month. Store everything? Yeah. You'd probably have double the size of the factory uh, at least. Or more. So yeah. they're brought in as the month goes on. Mm-hmm. So if you think about how that one part in your hand, whatever in your head, whatever that part is, the, well, not a tire. Well, still, let's look at a tire. Okay. Let's just correct something really quick. It was NHTSA. National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, okay. not council, okay. for house okay. call. Okay, okay. perfect. Okay, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate so that. So thank you to the text uh, on the uh, Stolberg uh, text line. Um, so if you think about that tire, the left front tire, let's just say, the com- chemicals that make up the rubber have to come from where and be shipped to somewhere to make up the rubber that's then shipped to the tire plant. Mm-hmm. The steel in there has to be mined, uh, um, has to be created, and so it has to be mined, and then shipped to where the steel is manufactured, mm-hmm. then shipped to who makes the wire to ship it to the tire manufacturer to make that tire. Mm-hmm. Then that tire is assembled and made into a tire, and then shipped to the plant where they manufacture your, truck, your car. That's the left front tire. Think about how many miles the elements, if you would, that are ma- your car's made up of have to travel to get it to your dealership. Think about the plastic. Plastics are very efficient. They're incredible. Think about most of the plastics we have are made from crude oil. So if you buy your crude oil from overseas, it takes 10% of the load to get it here no matter the ship, from what I understand. Hmm. So if it's a 1,000-gallon ship, it takes 100 gallons to get here. Hmm. So the plastic that comes from the Middle East, or crude oil, 10% of it is lost just getting here, plus then getting across to the manufacturer of the plant to have it made into plastic, to mm-hmm. then create the plastic, to have it taken to the plant that makes the, the uh, stamped plastic piece, whatever it is, that now is shipped to the manufacturer to put in your car to ship to the dealership. Hmm. So my my complaint, my direction is, I'm not saying don't buy new cars. You know what? There's that that that's that's not. I'm saying mind what you have, maintain what you have, clean what you have, um, do the service and have it maintained by somebody mm-hmm. that that cares about you and your car. That wants to do the best job they can for you and your car. A service provider that does that is worth a lot. Here we are, West Side Oil Supply. They're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Alas, they work so hard to be perfect. I'm going to have to try to find that classic commercial for next week. Well, it's not really a classic. It's a. It's more of a current commercial. Where Honda had a commercial on not too long ago where the car had gone a million miles. Mm-hmm. 
There are lots of there's a lot of cars out that manufacturers that have cars out there like that. Yeah. It's not a Honda, and that's the only was, one ever. I think it was a Honda Civic that they were probably an old putting, Honda Civic. Yeah. yeah, that they were doing in that commercial, but or an Accord. I'm not sure, but yeah. So I just <laughs> think about the maintenance, even though, even though that guy in Detroit or Japan or Europe created that owner's manual for the car the year before your car was mm-hmm. manufactured, mm-hmm. stuck it in the glove box, and told you what you need to do. My question is, how did they know who you were going to be? How could they predict how you were going to drive? How could they predict where you were going to drive at? I mean, did they really know you were living in San Luis Obispo, not the Mojave Desert, yeah. not in New York City, not in San Francisco, not in Alaska? How did they know that? How did they know? that? Now, they could sit down and go, well, this car is designed for the Central Coast area. How did they know you didn't buy it in San Luis Obispo and move to Hawaii and take it with you? Mm-hmm. Move to Alaska and take it with you? They don't. So having a service provider in your area that knows the area and knows the wear and tear and talks to you about how you drive your car is huge, in my opinion, because then you're not replacing stuff you don't need to replace, and you're replacing stuff you do need to replace before the manufacturer ever thought it needed to be replaced. If that makes sense, and I'm hoping I'm not going too fast there, but Jim's giving me the cue. i got to hurry up. So I'm trying to add in the next half an hour of the show right now. In the last minute and a half. Excuse me, mortgage matters. We're just going to kick off the air today. <laughs> We're just going to bump them a little bit. We're just going to move over a little tight bit. We'll Dan share and, the air. Dan and Jason waiting wait in the green room there. <laughs> we'll share the air. You can listen to whichever one you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be confusing. Yeah. Um, I just it, it it comes back to I keep saying this maintenance, 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 but it really does make a huge difference. Do your research. Talk to your service provider. Help them help you make the best plan for you and, and discuss it with them. They, you know, a good service advisor can really make all the difference and, and make things so much better. And like I said, that's why we use Westside All Supply, because they're for us. They're there for us all the time. And, and, and in an instant, they're bang. What can I do to help? And that's what their job is. And that's our job as service providers. So enjoy and have a great weekend. I will talk to you guys next weekend and um, bye-bye. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kbec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.